Welcome to another episode of Recommended Daily Dose. I'm your co-host, Dr. Serge Sugger, joined by my esteemed colleague, Dr. Clinton Coleman. That's and me. We are very excited today to have a very renowned dental expert, Dr. Theron Agarwal, who I'll put preface by saying he's one of my oldest friends. We grew up together. You're listening to Recommended Daily Dose with Drs. Clinton Coleman and Serge Sugger. The Not So Average Health Show with a unique spin on what's making headlines in healthcare. He is a. And I'm sure he's got some stories to tell about you. He probably does. All right, good. He probably does. But you know, he's a recognized speaker. He's an author. He's a dental leader. He's been all over the media on CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox. And probably most importantly, he was voted best dad in the world by two out of three of his kids. So that's very impressive. Wow. Hey, listen, I'm lucky I got two out of three. I'm pretty sure I gave him evil eye to get the two out of three. What did the wife say, though? That's important. Well, well, here's what we know. Uh, my wife is my favorite, is the favorite parent for all three of my kids. Uh-huh. No question. As in probably all of us. Yes, yeah. yes. So, you know, you are involved with everything to do with dentistry. So, want you know, instead of us talking, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career path and what you're trying to do. And then we want to see if we can kind of see how that intersects what we do in terms of medical care. Well, you know, look, I'm pretty light, lighthearted and light, uh, light. Let's talk about this. Um, I've I've known I wanted to be a dentist since I was in the eighth grade. Um, It's kind of in my blood. My father was a dentist in India. Uh, He was never able to practice here in the U.S. Uh, But we grew up in the Indian community and most Indians at the time were physicians. Uh, so that was the typical recommended path for most Indians to go through. Uh, but I preferred the dental path because I saw it as an opportunity to provide health care, an opportunity to be an entrepreneur. Um, and uh, quite frankly, there's no call associated with most dentists. So uh, I like having my weekends to myself. Um, so it wasn't, uh, was, it yeah. wasn't uh, basketball or rapping? It was the, the way out of the hood was... Dentistry or physician or engineering, right? Engineering. That's the Indian hood. That's the way. Indian hood. That's okay. right. So. Well, what about property? What about property owner? We can't be property owners. You can. You be can. Property. You can. The, the motel industry, absolutely. Especially if you don't have a wicked jump shot. <laughs> but you know what? You speaking about the Indian com- You speaking about the Indian community. I was in that community. We know how much healthcare is, uh, you know, kind of advocated as a great way to go down. And you went down uh, following your dad's footsteps, uh, footsteps with dental healthcare. But, um, you know. Tell me a little bit more. You went to where Kansas, right? I think, and then what did you do after that? Yeah, you know, I, I was very fortunate uh, that I got into a accelerated program right out of high school. Uh, so I went to Kansas City. I uh, spent two years in undergrad, four years in dental school. Uh, frankly, I didn't have the personality or the ability to kiss people's butts to get into specialty school. So I moved back to North Carolina and started my private practice, and um, you know, went through ups and downs there. Uh, but I've always known that I've wanted to be an educator and to help the public and help other dentists. And that kind of led me down a path where I spend about three days a week in my practice and about two days a week uh, speaking and training other dentists and dental professionals around the country. So uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, dentistry is my blood. I, I just love it. I mean, it's, as weird as that is to say. Uh, I really do enjoy it. No, and it definitely comes out in the way you're speaking about it. When you say training dentists, like, for instance, we have a couple of medical students here in the studio with us today, and uh, myself and Clinton enjoy uh, teaching medical students, but you're talking about educating dentists in what specifically? I know you do a lot of cosmetic dentistry. Yeah. You're involved with a lot of different things. Talk a little bit about what you're doing um, in terms yeah. of education uh, realm. 
So, you know, most of my education or the education I provide for other dentists revolves around actual practicing dentists, not dental students. Uh, and, and my area of, um, you know, my area of focus overall is dental technology and all the things that technology can help us do to provide better care to our patients, uh, to provide better practices. And so I work with dentists on doing implant dentistry using technology, providing sleep apnea therapy, uh, using technology, how to use technology to make offices more efficient, how to use technology to make the patient experience, because quite frankly, most, most patients don't love going to the dentist. Uh, so, you know, our goal is to make healthcare or dental care, in my particular case, more accessible and more relatable to the typical to the typical patient. Yeah, that that that's that's applicable across I think all spectrums of healthcare. Why I have a question? Why do you think that is? Like, um, you know, I for one hate going to the dentist, not because mm-hmm. of I don't know what the anxiety provoking event is, but it's just people don't hate going to the doctor as much as they hate going to the dentist. Do you do you deal a lot with that or? That's that's your own reverse psychology, man. Right. You play going to the doctor sometimes too. True. You know, yeah. you know let's, let's think about it, Doctor Coleman. Let's think about it. Clinton, call me Clinton, or or C Bone. Okay. C Bone. C Bone. We got T Bone, and we got Brown Sugar. We're gonna talk about the name in a minute, but <laughs> Brown Sugar. Brown Sugar. <laughs> or sexual chocolate. So, <laughs> coming to America. There's always a reference to coming to America in our shows. Oh man, I love that movie. Are you kidding? Me? Oh, that's right. I love that movie. So listen, let's let's think about it logically, okay? No, you know, I don't say no one likes going to the dentist. There's some people that value it and enjoy going into it. But think about it. We're we're going to stick two to three hands in your mouth, okay? We're going to use a drill that's spinning at 200,000, 300,000 RPMs, and you can hear and feel everything because it's so close to your brain and your ears right. that you just feel everything. And typically. Uh, in the you know in the distant in the near past, dentistry was always associated with some type of painful procedure or yes. some type of you know pain. And and we we've, we've reached a point where we have powerful anesthetics, we have sedation techniques, we have materials, and we have technology that can take things that were once complicated and painful and really move to the point where we don't have a lot of that today. So I think part of it is like you said, the technology has improved so much that. Things that we are fearful about probably not even the case. So it's just the, just an anxiety and trepidation about going to the dentist. Um, you know, yeah. I I think you know as a as a general practitioner, um, you know I always um, you know I'm concerned about what my role is as far as uh, dental yeah. screening and dental health. Do you, do you health. see that a lot, or is there? Because usually when patients come to me and they have something discomfort or pain around the mouth, you know I refer them to the dentist. You know, during medical school, we weren't really taught much about oral health and dental care. Um, we pretty much rely on dentists. Do you do you see that as like a future thing to 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 address as far as the the medical community? Well, I think what we're seeing uh, the answer is absolutely. What I think what we're seeing is this becoming a greater intersection and entwine. You know, we're right. entangling yes. with each other about how so much of what you guys do affects what I see in my patients and what we do affects what you see in your patients. You know, and, and to kind of think about, there's probably three things, uh, and two main things that, that we should probably talk about. One is infections and things like that. Serious infections that can happen in the mouth that can lead to Ludwig's angina, canine space infections, you know, things along those lines, cancers, things, those things that can really have a direct effect in overall health, okay? Uh, and those are, you know, not super common things. 
but the second thing, I think probably the biggest area uh, that we're seeing such an intersection between medicine and dentistry is obstructive sleep apnea. Yeah. And then the third thing would be gum disease. Gum disease. And uh, we've seen a significant um, focus in our practice and in our, in our profession towards obstructive sleep apnea. So just for our listeners out there, you know, we're talking about obstructive sleep apnea. You're talking about an obstruction and, uh, you know, preventing airway going, air going down the airway and actually having yeah. repeated uh, awakenings at night. And we call, you know, apnea or apneic episodes, episodes where you're actually not breathing. Um, and just a little background, of course, and I want you to touch upon this. You know, we know it affects all aspects of health besides just sleeping, it affects mental health, increased depression. It can affect what we call metabolic syndrome. So increase your chance of getting diabetes and stroke and heart attacks. So there's a lot that this uh, entity, obstructive sleep apnea, uh, can cause down the road. So, And we usually don't think of dentists as the No, so we usually think about pulmonologists that are doing the sleep studies. Or even they're, neurologists. They're, they're prescribing uh, CPAP and other things. But, you know, uh, what's very, you're talking about technology and intersection of medicine and dentistry. Tell us a little bit about like the dental appliances that you may be involved with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to take a step backwards. Sure. And w- one of the things that I've been very good at uh, is kind of, I don't want to say dumbing it down, but kind of just making it down to a street level where people can understand. And, and here's how I try to explain sleep apnea to people. I say the challenge of sleep apnea is it affects two main things. One, it affects oxygen. Okay, and oxygen is life. You cannot, you can go days without eating, you can go days without, you know, drinking water, whatever it may be, but you can't go more than a few minutes without oxygen. And oxygen is so important to your body, okay? So that's one aspect of sleep apnea. And the second aspect of sleep apnea is the sleep disturbance or sleep interruption. Imagine if, you know, if your wife, and maybe your wives do this, but imagine your wife is, is, is elbowing you 50, 30, 40, 50 times an hour, you know, how good is your sleep going to be besides the oxygen issue? And so that, those are the issues, those are the real things that really affect sleep and why obstructive sleep apnea is so important. So if we get rid and of wives, do you think that'll be... Is that what you're saying, Thorne? A... <laughs> don't, don't tell me that. <laughs> I, I think he's saying you should sleep on the sofa. Do you specialize in that? <laughs> uh, I'm well, sorry. You know, listen, it, it's fine. No, no, it's okay. Listen. Uh, it's funny, I got into sleep apnea uh, as professionally earlier in my career because, uh, quite frankly, to be to be honest, is because my wife started uh, moving to another room or making me move to another room. I don't know if you know this, I've actually seen social media posts of you falling asleep in various uh, scenarios where people around you kind of take pictures and say, was it, is it T-Bone Sleeps or T-Bone is falling asleep? T-Bone Sleeps, T-Bone yeah. T-Bone Sleeps, you know, it's actually think, a hashtag. Oh, maybe we I should post that. For, the, for this recording. I think, you know, the, the biggest one is the most, I don't want to say the famous one, but the one I get the most fun made of me is I got caught sleeping at a Miami Heat basketball game. Oh, wow. We bought, sec- we bought second row tickets, so it's not like we were in the nosebleed seat. But it was the bad heat, though, not the good heat. Not the championship uh, heat. Well, listen, this is when LeBron was there. What? Wow. Yeah. It's not like the Knicks. I fall asleep at the Knicks anytime. But that's to be expected, I think, right? <laughs> So, you know, I got caught on the Jumbotron or whatever they call it now. Yeah, you know, I saw that. I actually, uh, my brother, who you remember, Sandy, as you used to call him, who remembers you well and says hello. uh, I think I might have sent sent him a picture of that, actually. You asleep on the Jumbotron down in Miami. That's amazing. Yeah, so so sleep apnea is very personal to me. But, um, you know, listen, I think here's the role of dentists. Yeah. Number one. 
technically, legally, and license-wise, we cannot diagnose sleep apnea. Uh, that is left to the physician community. Uh, but, but here's part of the challenge. Not enough people are getting tested. And that, that's, the, that's the number one challenge that we face. Right. And my number one goal and my goal for all dental professionals that we work with is help your patients get tested right. to rule out whether or not they have this condition. Yeah, you know, actually, interesting is, I was going to say, interesting, now you can do the at-home studies as opposed to, I think, one barrier was that people had to actually go in and stay overnight at a uh, sleep study center. You can actually do them at home. I know that because I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So think about what used to, and this is all part of technology and and advancement, right? What used to require a night in a very uncomfortable place now can be done in the comfort of your own home. And it's a very small box that you wear on your chest that, that measures everything that they need so a sleep physician can properly diagnose the, the severity and uh, the extent of your sleep apnea. So I tell everybody, if you're snoring, if you have multiple uh, medical conditions that we can kind of get into, just get tested. Okay, that's my number one goal, okay? Then my second component of where dentists kind of fit into this overall picture is, on, on, is actual therapy. Now, my goal isn't to take, say that CPAP is bad or that CPAP doesn't work. My goal is to get people treated. And if CPAP is the route that works for them and gets them where they need to be, I'm all for it. But, the- but we have a situation where over half of the people that use or that have been uh, fitted for a CPAP don't use it. Right. And what's the point of having something that you're not using? Right. And, and I, th- that's where I think it's a barrier to treatment. It's probably even a barrier to diagnosing it because you know if you have sleep apnea, you're either going to have to lose a significant amount of weight or use a CPAP machine, which really no one, uh, I think it's, it's a real barrier. So um, can you talk about some of the things that you guys do that are, you know, alternatives, alternatives to, to CPAP? Yeah, so, um, well, besides, uh, CPAP isn't the most sexiest thing out there. No. You know, um, they I, have different I, colors I've seen, but, it, yeah, it's not so sexy. <laughs> I was thinking about getting a rainbow one. Like, <laughs> my called me Darth, With my lace? My called me Darth Vader one time. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, our, our, our procedure that most dentists can, many dentists can provide with good training is an oral appliance. And to make it, to help make sense of what an oral appliance does is I tell people to remember back to whatever CPR training that they, that they learned. CPR training to, to make the airway open was, right. it was to move the chin forward and move the tongue forward, correct? And that helped open the airway. Open the airway, make it easier to intubate or whatever, right? That's correct. And that's essentially what a dental device does, is it opens the, it opens the mouth, moves the jaw forward, helps comfortably hold it there so that you have room for your tongue to move forward and we can anatomically help open the airway. Uh, and that, by opening the airway, allows us to breathe better, allows us to reduce the snoring and all of those things that kind of, that all the sequelae that we see after that as well. So that, that's where dentists can really help uh, is people that fail their CPAP or don't use their CPAP because I always say something is better than nothing. Right. Uh, people that have CPAPs that have very high pressures. Another area that we're seeing a significant movement right now is for people that have CPAPs that are a little bit uncomfortable because of the amount of pressure. Sometimes we can do combination therapy where we do uh, an oral appliance as well. And, and then the uh, oral appliance allows it for being less pressure for the CPAP then, is that right? That's right. Gotcha. It lowers the pressure. Right. So, you know, and that's kind of where, and then, you know, for people that, are on the lower end 
of the severity scale, the mild to moderate patients, oftentimes an oral appliance is more than adequate alone to provide therapy for them. So it, it's really about working with your physician, understanding the proper, getting a proper diagnosis and the severity of the condition, and then really knowing uh, all your options. And I think one of the frustrations for us as dentists is helping the medical community see that oral appliance therapy can be very effective and has a place in treatment of a, uh, a growing condition because we're not getting any skinnier as a, as a culture. You know, I was going to say just you mentioned not skinnier, but, you know, I, it's, I think it's important to know, and I always tell patients of my own, uh, most people equate uh, sleep apnea with people who are obese, who have a wide neck circumference, what have you. But I think at least mm-hmm. you could know better, 20, 30% of the time you can have people with normal body mass indexes, right? So they're skinny yeah. and they're, they don't have a huge uh, bull neck uh, and still have sleep apnea. So I think that's important for, uh, you know, listeners out there to realize that you don't have to be necessarily obese to have sleep apnea. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you mentioned that, Serge, because mm. that's another area where we're seeing dentists play a role is in child development uh, through early early intervention, orthodontic treatment, whether it's through uh, some type of uh, uh, habit correctors to help expand the jaw, to help uh, flatten the palate, the roof of the mouth. All of these things help uh, develop proper airway, proper tongue posture, uh, proper nasal development. Uh, you know, we're all connected in some way or another, you know, so uh, no. that's another area where, where I always tell people, have, you, have your child checked out. That's you a know? great point, because I think, uh, you know, with the increasing diagnosis, we've talked about ADHD on the show before, but um, a lot of physicians and uh, pediatric pulmonologists, et cetera, and developmental pediatricians will say rule out sleep apnea first uh, before going right. down to diagnose of ADHD, because actually... Kids with OSA can exhibit, uh, of kids with obstructive sleep apnea, that is, can exhibit um, some of the behaviors that can be mistaken for ADHD. You know, listen, kids, kids didn't bike around to tennis courts like we did growing up. That's a story of it. That's right. That's right. We used they to bike. Ubers to get there. <laughs> we did it the old-fashioned way. Although I do, if I remember correctly, I. Did I usually beat you or you beat me? I, I, did you win? Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a usually. You always, I, I don't think I've <laughs> ever beat you in tennis, ever. But good memories, man. Those good memories with those. What about... And, um, and kids, don't go, kids don't go to arcades anymore either. Oh, we spent many quarters at arcades in Ocean City, Maryland. <laughs> all right, not to cut you guys off. I know you guys are reminiscing and getting all giddy. Yeah, uh, what about other like medical issues like cardiovascular disease and there's yeah. been some recent information about gum health and what's what's that intersection? Yeah, so, um, you know, listen, uh, most health issues are about bacteria, correct? Right. Uh, so there's a... Wait, 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 don't say that because this, this guy is going to think he's important. Hey, listen, again. I, I'm an ID physician. I didn't say anything. You know, okay. I mean, if, 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 the, if other healthcare professionals can recognize how important... Uh, infectious diseases, maybe more important than the kidney, since uh, Clinton is a nephrologist, then that's not my fault. Continue, please. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> but ultimately, it's, it's, a, it's many times or often a bacterial issue. So sure. Certainly when it comes to respiratory and cardiovascular disease, it's often a, a much a bacterial or, uh, or a clumping issue of, of bacteria there. So we have a high concentration of bacteria in our mouth. And oftentimes what happens is when we don't have great hygiene or we have bleeding gums and we have a high uh, capillary count, high, you know, high perfusion 
in the oral cavity, all of this bacteria then re-enters the bloodstream, or sometimes clumps of this bacteria will go down our airway and enter into our lungs. So there's a significant correlation between the bacteria in mouth and the bacteria that essentially goes all over the body and how it can wreak havoc on one's overall health. Normally, we, when we think about poor dentition, we think about the cosmetic problem, but this is a good point. You know, right. it, 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 is, it does have you know, real-life medical issues and, and mental health, too. So I, I know part of your practice. Um, what, can you tell us about your practice and what you normally what you do on a day-to-day basis? But I, I, I think yeah. you do a lot of cosmetic dentistry. Sure. Uh, well, you know, I like, listen, I like to think everything we do is cosmetic dentistry, but there's elective cosmetics and then non-elective cosmetics. Right. And, you know, and so we do a, a good amount of cosmetic dentistry, a lot of implant dentistry, which to me leads into cosmetic dentistry as well. And then uh, a significant focus of our practice is on oral appliance therapy or making dental devices for obstructive sleep apnea. Those are the three areas that I kind of focus on. Uh, my partner, uh, Nathaniel Leedy, uh, he focuses on the traditional general dentistry, orthodontic therapy, early intervention for, for children uh, with tongue ties and lip ties to help uh, speech impediments and speech issues and the ability for uh, babies to, to latch, latch on, on and, right. and properly nurse, nurse themselves. So, you know, and those are other areas where dentists can help um, uh, babies as well, infants. Uh, so that's kind of the overall scope of our practice. We're, you know, complete general practice. Uh, and each of us has kind of our areas of different expertise. Excellent. No, but you know what else? Tell us, I tell us, go ahead. I mention a couple of things. Sure. I, I think we have a lot of regular consumers that listen to you guys' podcasts, because I do listen as well. Um, is I always tell people, I, I just want people to get tested. And here are, the, here are some of the most common conditions that are associated with obstructive sleep apnea. Uh, erectile dysfunction, diabetes, heart disease. It's estimated that roughly 60 to 70% of diabetics also have obstructive sleep apnea. It's estimated that 30, 35% of people with hypertension or high blood pressure have obstructive sleep apnea. People with congestive heart failure, probably that's probably closer to 75%. Yeah, you know, there's an association with, you know, right side heart failure, pulmonary hypertension and sleep apnea. So that's, that's, it's so important that you're mentioning all this. You know, and so people that have these conditions, or and, and even let's say people, let's say the 40-year-olds, you know, the 30 and 40-year-olds, before we start really developing a lot of these conditions, if you're tired during the day, if you're not as, you know, if you fall asleep easily driving a car, if you fall asleep watching an exciting game on TV, if you fall asleep on the second row of the Miami Heat <laughs> basketball game, these are not normal things. Right. And we have a tendency to often blame you know, oh, I have kids, my kids keep me up, life's so busy, it's so stressful. Listen, just get tested. Just find out whether or not this could be a cause or a correlation of what's going on in your overall health because we know that when people get properly treated uh, for obstructive sleep apnea, for not breathing well, for not having good oxygenation, their overall health, their overall mental health, their overall cardiovascular health, their overall sex health, all of these things, significantly increase and get better and, and sleep is a big big topic in in the consumer world right now right i think that the challenge is you know changing the role of the dentist is just you know you know making your smile look better into you know overall mm-hmm. your overall health whether it's sleep apnea gum disease even your mental health too so people tend to forget that you know you know 
being confident, you know, associated with their smile. You know, people hire based on how people look and present themselves. Um, there's nutrition involved. So I think just changing that dynamic of just going to the dentist to getting your, your, your teeth cleaned or getting, you know, the, the cosmetic part of it, I think that's, that's important. I think that needs to be, you know, spoken about a little bit more. You know, sleep affects some of the things that we love to do, for example. You know, I, I know in my 30s, I used to love going to play golf at 7, 7.30 in the morning. And now, you know, it's harder to get up out of bed and go play golf. You know, I, it's, what are you, 70 now? I think all the little things. You could do what, uh, what Clinton does and just play golf in the afternoons. Yeah, right after this, I'm going to play. <laughs> when it's 800 degrees outside? It's no, okay. You know, well, although in today's world, we can play virtual golf uh, on one of those simulated deals in the comfort of an air-conditioned room. My ancestry uh, helps me it, it get through the it, it hot allows. temperatures, yes. <laughs> are, you, are you making ethnic jokes there? Yes, yes. <laughs> actually, the part of India that Thurman comes from uh, actually is mostly desert, so Rajasthan. So they actually, he yeah, can play yeah. as well. It'll yeah. be 105 degrees when you wake up. It'll be 120, 25 in the afternoon. But Thurman, I know we, we appreciate you so much coming on today uh, because I think this whole idea of the intersection of medicine and dentistry is really something that we really wanted to get at the heart of, you know, and really, and who better to talk to than you. Could you tell, uh, you know, listeners out there where they can find you on some of your social media links? Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, our practice website is Raleigh Dental Arts with an S dot com. Uh, on social media, I'm pretty active on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Uh, just search Sparonagual or T-Bone. Uh, that'll often show up there. Or T-Bone uh, sleeps, right? Speaks and sleeps, apparently. T- T-Bone speaks, T-Bone sleeps, T-Bone gets in trouble with his wife, T-Bone is hated by his kids. Wow. <laughs> we also want to um, let our listeners know that you, you have a podcast that's called T-Bone Speaks. Um, yes. And that's geared toward, you know, healthcare providers, you know, specifically dentists and you know, the practice and business of, of dentistry. Um, but it's a good listen to for anybody interested in entrepreneurship and uh, building a business. So I listen to it. It's great. Listen. So um, we're waiting for our invitation to come on. We'll come down to, uh, to Raleigh. I won't, I won't. Listen, anytime you want. You guys are always welcome. Oh, we that's a date, man. I, I pre- we appreciate that, my old friend. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Um, so any, what, any plans for the rest of the day? Golf or no, simulator golf? No, I'm... Actually, it's funny that you asked. I'm actually going, and this was uh, by chance, I'm actually going out to visit some physician officers this afternoon uh, to see how they're handling their failed CPAP patients. Okay, that's uh, good. Yeah. So a very timely topic indeed. So we, we yeah. wanted to thank you for your, your time. Um, like you mentioned, you can find you on social media. Um, I'm Dr. Clinton Coleman with my co-host, Dr. Sugger, um, on Recommended Daily Dose. Um, we want to thank Dr. Agawal for joining us. You can find him. What's your website again, sir? RaleighDentalArts.com. RaleighDentalArts.com. And then you get all that information about sleep apnea, the t- technology that he uses, the cosmetic dentistry, uh, real insightful stuff. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. And oh, my, my pleasure, guys. Be well. Check out recent episodes and learn more about these two modern medicine men and their podcast, at holyname.org slash recommended daily dose.